Hey NAI football fans, Corey Thorpe here with another edition of the NAI F-Ball podcast powered by AdCraft USA, your custom apparel, merch, and uniform experts. Our friends at AdCraft have been with us for many years now. They've run web stores for us multiple times. These guys are NAI fans and family who are experts in the apparel and merchandise world. AdCraft allows you to take the hassle out of ordering. Let their knowledgeable design and customer service staff handle everything from hosting the store online, shipping the product, and helping your customers so you can get back to the game. Find them online at adcraftusa.com. All right, guys, tonight we end our long journey through the NAI playoff interviews. We had the uh, women's flag football champion, uh, Liz Sowers, on last week. Tonight, we go to the men's side and we go to Steve Ryan with Morningside University. Coach, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Now, I was looking at the stats, and I know you probably won't. Uh, I'll, I'll do a little bit of, of uh, places in the historical rankings in terms of, of head coaches in uh, collegiate football. For those who haven't looked recently, uh, Steve Ryan is fifth all-time in winning percentage of collegiate football coaches with more than 200 wins. He's the only active coach not named Nick Saban who has a winning percentage of 800 or better. I was just looking at it today and was sitting there. Donnelly's not 75 yet. And and I checked the I, I checked what you gotta be to be in the Hall of Fame as an active coach. And it's seventy-five. He's like seventy, seventy-one, somewhere in that in 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 that uh range. I think <laughs> I think What Hall of Fame is that? That is the college football hall of fame in Atlanta, Georgia. My goodness. Yeah. Um the one i I'm gonna try to see if he meets the age requirement is Larry Wilcox. I think he meets the 70-year-old requirement for a retired head coach. So you have to be 70 as a retired head coach to to make that, huh? To be nominated, yep. Or you have to have been retired for three full football seasons. So have they put Mike Van Deest in it yet? I don't think so, but he's he's not retired. He's still coaching for um, MSU, MSU Northern, I think. As an assistant coach, yeah. Yep. So he's not. I he, see. Yeah, he's not fully retired yet. But no, that's that's another one. See, that's the problem with college football coaches: is we can't quit, we can't end. <laughs> so that's probably why they made that mark seventy-five. Because I, until we're seventy-five, they just assume we'll come back at some point. I mean, they had to put Bobby Bowden in sometime. At some point, they did. You know, so he and um, that guy, Penn Mac, State, Mac Brown, Paterno. Yeah, Mac Brown's got to be in there. Um, to be fair, Donnelly's the only one of the top five that is not in the Hall of Fame, and that's because he's current not 75 yet. Not 75 and still coaching. Good good for Kevin. May he have 100 more wins, just zero over me. <laughs> but uh, he, he can beat everyone else. I'm, I'm happy for him. Absolutely. Well, Coach, we are... What about five months removed from 
from Durham. You actually had a normal spring this year. What did it feel a little weird having a normal spring? It really did. I, the first thing is, I was amazed the number of our guys that had never gone through a spring ball. Just kind of those questions like, "What's it going to be like?" and you know, you just realize we didn't have spring ball in tw- in twenty. We didn't have spring ball in twenty one. Uh, just a large number of those, um, just a large number of players that hadn't gone through it. I thought it was a very enjoyable spring ball. Um, very pleased with our depth. Very pleased with um, the progress that our guys made throughout the spring. Um, I always enjoy spring. I just I just enjoy coaching football. Enjoy being outside. So all those things were great. It was a little rainy. A little windy, but uh, it, it's probably good for those guys. At least if it's not snowing, that's that's probably at least a good thing. We we didn't we didn't have snow. Now, yeah, I do like normal temperature temperature more the older I get. So I don't know what that says about me. Maybe I'm getting soft. Who knows? Well, last year, coach, it was a heck of an offensive performance. I'm I'm just reviewing some of these numbers where y'all had y'all had won. Now your defense was good too. I mean, you know, you're winning winning these games like. 62 to 7 here, like against Hastings. Um, but I'm struck by the couple of games, and we've talked about this for the last couple of years, just the development of, of more parity in the G Pack. And I'm, I'm struck by, at least last season, the way that y'all were able to pull out these close games against Dort and Northwestern. Talk about your team's ability to not give up and a little bit of that uh, fire in the belly. Yeah. So, um, you know, touch on something. I want to give our defense a real shout out, but we did have some, some uh, fantastic offense performances this year, but the big games, the big ones down the stretch, um, the playoff game against Ottawa, against Northwestern, against Grandview, um, our defense all had to make stops late in the game to win the game. And they, oh, they always came up and, and even against Dort, you know, we needed the ball back late. They made a stop. So I, for me, that was one of the great things about last season that was that was special to see was the ability of our defense to come up really big when we needed to uh, and to make stops when we needed to. So um, I, I think one of the things that concerned me a little bit uh, going on last year, did we have enough of the old guard, enough of those old guys that have been in situations where they had to make plays to win games and had the confidence and belief that they always could. And the reality was we did. Um, and it's sometimes you just sit there in in awe of some of your players and go, wow, I can't believe he just made that play. Um, and you realize it has nothing to do with coaching, um, that you're just blessed with some really good players. So um, we, you know, we had some guys that made some big plays and we really needed to do it. One of the guys down the stretch that just the – the guts and the hutzpahs inside to step up to the plate um, when you really needed him was Matt Strecker. I'm I'm still struck by uh, his his ability to get the job done down the stretch when you had Sims all banged up and you were down to basically your your third your third string running back and your and your emergency running backs. Talk about Strecker's performance. Yeah. Um, to to win championships, you have to have Matt Struckers. And it's kind of one of the, you know, one of the things that just makes coaching phenomenal and special is guys like Matt Strucker and, um, you know, 
never saw Matt necessarily having to play for us or, or do anything like that. He was all, it would be a special teams player, but you know, he always worked hard. He was always ready. Didn't get a lot of practice reps. And then all of a sudden here we are trying to make a playoff run and, and we're out of running backs. And, you know, he's the guy that's got to go in there and make the plays. Sims went down. Brian Cole, who was our number two back, broke his leg in the playoffs. And, man, I'm just so proud of Matt and the job he did um, and that he stayed with it. And a lot of, you know, you, you tell guys that so often um, that if you just stay with it, you never know what's going to happen. At some point, your moment's going to come. And and that's what happened for Matt Strucker. And, I, I think that was uh, a reality of a lot of our, of, of our players last year is um, guys that stuck with it. And, you know, they, 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 they were backups in, in 18 and 19 with won championships and they ended up, you know, winning one themselves. Now Strecker is an exception to that. He just stayed with it, was a great teammate and was ready when his number was called. And I truly appreciate that about him. Now in that semifinal game, I know one. I, I, I pulled the I pulled the quote when I talked to to Coach McCarty. I'll I'll pull it back up again. Uh, echo your words here. Quote: I am truly excited to know that he, referencing Tyson Coima, is officially over. One of the greatest players I've ever seen in the NAI. Um, but in that semifinal game, it was definitely it caught me and my buddy John who covers this with me completely by surprise having a Northwestern Morningside game that was 28-19 talk about the ability of your defense to keep Coima down one last time yeah so in 28-19 what we're saying is the score being as low as it was uh, because all of the previous ones had kind of been sh- shootouts. Um, and, I, and I think one of the things you'll, if you look back at it, there was still probably a, the, a lot of yardage put up in the game. Guy, We just didn't get into the end zone. Um, and I think part of that is um, we had played, I'm going to get my exact, we played three times in like five or six months, yeah. right? We played in late May and then we played, you know, three weeks prior. And then, you know, we've, just so familiar. So I want to say I had put down, that was our seventh time playing against Tyson Coima. Um, and there's probably quite a few other guys in the field that was similar. So I put part of that up to familiarity. I, I feel like the de- the defenses were like, all right, I- I've seen this before. You know, I know this, I'm, I'm ready for this. And I think that's a part of it. But the big thing was uh, those guys held Tyson under control late and they, and they kept him out of the end zone. And that really was the difference uh, in the games. Our defense was able to keep him out of the end zone. To your point, both teams went over 400 yards of offense in that game. And, gosh dang, if I'm looking at this correctly, I, I, Northwestern's I already got their schedule set, I, I think. Y'all open again. I, I swear, they. it's just like... I know. They just like doing this to y'all. I don't know who puts that together. I don't know... I don't know the, who thought that, hey, this is a great idea, but they did. And, and um, you know, that's the way it's – it's. I don't know how it sets. When we play them, it's like the first game of the year. When they play us at our place, and then when we play them at their place, it's the last game of the year. And, and uh, I'm sure there's a conference theory behind it. But 
we do we do have to come out of the gate fast. We open with Northwestern, and then the next week we go to Dort and play Dort. Um, and those were our two toughest teams we played last year, without question. Both of them came down to the wire, so guys better be ready to go. So one of the words when, when um, I was listening to uh, y'all's radio squad at the national championship game, one of the first words they used when Morningside finally uh, was ahead there at the final buzzer was dynasty. What, uh, what do you think about that dynasty label? <laughs> I have, um, I've never thought of it. So, um, I mean, that's the first time you've kind of mentioned it. I think, you know, some of the things, I mean, the championships are great. Um, I think one of the things that I take pride in is the consistency we've been able to have over the years um, in terms of uh, trying to do things right, trying to build great young men, um, and really trying to make it a program that people want to be a part of so that guys will stay and guys will play uh, and just try to make it a great experience. And I think we've made the playoffs 18 years in a row and we've won our conference 11 years in a row. So those are the things that I, that I'm, that uh, I'm really proud of our players, that consistency to, to work hard and come together as a team and make some of those things happen. So hopefully we can keep those things going and we've got some guys in place, but man, we got to be ready to go at the start of the season. Well, talking about being ready to go, you do, bring back your quarterback who I think is always ready to throw for five bills in a game. And that's Joe Dolan check. And that's going to be the, the biggest, um, almost maybe your biggest recruit of the off season is, is getting your, getting your quarterback back and some pieces there, uh, in, uh, on your skill positions with Zach Norris and Caleb Schweigert and, uh, Sione Tuafua and getting him some weapons back around him so y'all can make another run at it. Talk to me about what your offense is going to be here in 22. Yeah, so the whole COVID thing is just so unique, right? You know, you've got these guys that got another year and another chance to play. And, and in some ways, I think um, for teams that, are on, that have been having success, it's kind of a positive for us, right? You know, we have these guys, you know, let's take Joe. He's played in three national championship games or been to three. Schweiger's been to three. Austin Johnson, you know. So there's this sense of why why not? And I think it was Weston Schultz on defense that finally just said to all of them, why not? Why not just keep playing football? What You know, we can, we can always grow up. And, and so having those guys back, you know, and going through another offseason um, has been, I think, critical. Um, Obviously, the, your concern that you always have is that they're still giving the effort. They still want to, for lack of a better word, want to do the grind. So sometimes guys can stick around too long where they, they've kind of lost the love of the grind. And, um, and that was an important thing for me to see in the spring. The, the reality is, you know, Joe Dolinchek loves to play. Um, Caleb Schweiger loves to play. These guys love to play. And uh, I didn't see any any staleness in their spring. So excited to have Joe back. So good quarterbacks uh, help make good coaches. It's not the other way around. That is very true. I think of, I mean, even, you know, the, the only team who has won 
in between y'all's national championships is is Lindsey Wilson, and man, you know, great quarterback there. Nothing against Chris Oliver, but man, that's a great quarterback. I mean, and and your team kind of rides and rises and falls on on having a excellent signal caller. It does. Um, you know, you can do some things and you can go a little bit of a difference, but if you just look at the final four last year, all the teams had great signal callers and um, I'm, the, the young man from Graham from uh, Grandview, he skips my name and I apologize for that, but Coima and, and Dukes, all those guys, I mean, those were both national players, you know, of the year. Uh, I think Dukes got it one year and then, and then of course, Joe out there as well. So uh, it's a credit to all those guys. So defensively, you are, again, well-stocked. You talked about Weston Schultz already, but you've got a mess of DBs coming back, whether it be Lon Elboy, Jamal Jones, Drew Bessie, J.P. Miller. You do lose Tyler Winger in your, in your linebacking core, and I'm sure you're going to miss those 151 tackles. I don't know that I've ever seen a stat that high in tackles in a single season before, but there you go. But you do bring back a couple... Uh, uh, you know, a couple folks there on your D line as well. Talk to me about getting better on defense and continuing that that stretch that you started last year, where your defense was very dominant. Yeah, and before I do, I'm going to jump back. You, you touched on Tyler Winger. You know, Tyler Winger never started till his senior year. He played behind um, the Cotzer twins. Um, never started till senior year and then comes back for that fifth year, that COVID year, and might have had the best season we've ever had out of a linebacker. I mean, just made big play after big play and was been such a great leader and so critical. And I just, it's a little bit different than Matt Strucker, but it's just that great lesson. And, and so often in terms of with small college, um, you, you have a young man who just works hard. And stays the course and you never know what goodness awaits you and so i just want to you know put that out there in terms of tyler winger just like so many other guys i'm so thankful that he came to morningside and played for us but those other two guys out there pingle and portis are um are very special linebackers in themselves they have great speed they're physical they're good they make plays um and i think a lot of the stuff that we have kind of centers around them uh you mentioned weston schultz Last year, we moved Weston from linebacker down to the end and had a, a great playoff run. It was kind of like right there toward the end. He kind of got it together. And, you know, I'm excited, especially after seeing how he's performed this spring and what he can do going forward. Um, the, inter the interesting thing is we've always kind of struggled with depth at DB. And right now we've got three safeties that we're pleased with and J.P. Miller and um, Lonnie and, and Drew Bessie. And, and just being able to play three guys at that position, I think, is going to be effective for us. One thing that, you know, I've, I've sort of asked a, a variation of this question before to you, but it doesn't make it any easier to do, and that is finding ways to keep the year fresh. You know, having that renewed focus after a championship game, and, and even more certainly after three and four years. How do you how do you keep that fresh in your team's mind that this is a new hill to climb? Right, and that's a good question, and I agree. You know, you hear it, and then you're there, and you fully understand it. Um, 
it, it it's hard to climb the hill. It's harder to stay on top. And, you know, so every time guys move out, somebody has to kind of move into that position uh, of playing that didn't do it. And they have to have the same hunger, the same effort as the guy did that got you there. And you've got to keep a whole team of those guys forward. So um, I, I think you constantly have to sell the vision. You constantly have to sell the dream. Um, and, and guys have got to be hungry. They never want to be the guy that gives it up. Um, but for, I think every coach at this point in time, it, it, the summer is, 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 is where your seasons make, you know, everyone does an off season in the spring. Everybody has a strength coach. Everybody's doing spring running and those things. Now the summer, especially in lower levels, how committed are you going to be? Are, are you going to be willing to not just get into the weight room, but actually complete the workout, do all the little things and, and move forward. And, so far, I'm very pleased with how our summer started. We started this week, but um, yeah, it, it's always a challenge, and and hopefully the guys are are getting it going right now. I probably don't have the answer because I'm not sure what it is. We'll we'll see. I mean, you know, it's it's always you can always put out your messaging out there, but you know, it's going to be August and September before you figure out did it actually hit. You're hoping it hit, and you're always hoping. Like I've mentioned, Tyler Winger, and I think one of the things we've always been blessed with here is, you know, um, that guy that kind of steps up. You know, you need that guy that steps up that just kind of stayed with it. You know, and if you know, I mentioned Tyler Winger, and you know, you go back to offense. You know, Reed Jurgensmeyer always was there, made touchdown catches in all three national championship games. Um, but all of a sudden this year, Anthony Sims steps up. And you're like, I, I always knew he could do that. I always hoped he had. I've never seen it before. And then, you know, he went out there and did it. Um, and and you're just hoping that there's somebody else there that's ready to go. And kind of the last question I've been asking everybody to just kind of get a, a full swath across the NAI is, you know, there's always the next building. There's always the next facility. There's always the new locker room there's always something you you want to change and build and and grow as a program kind of not off the field but like field adjacent almost um and and that takes takes money how does how does morningside specifically connect with their alumni whether it be athletic alumni or just their normal run-of-the-mill alumni and fans to create that ongoing support both on the field on game day and off the field with, you know, athletic support? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we do anything special. I don't know if we do anything um, that's great. I, I, a couple things. One is, you know, I've been here 20 years. So when a head coach has been somewhere a long time, so, you know, we're, we're talking about kind of reaching that point where, um, you know, guys that graduated 15 years ago, let's say, they're, they're nearing 40. And they're at that point where they're, they're making money, they want to give back, they can reflect back on the program. And it, it isn't as I, if I have to go out there and find them, I know who they are. And so I think that's a big part of things is just the consistency on staff in terms of some of the assistant coaches and and some of the players, I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, and we try to do everything we can. One is I truly do love and appreciate what those guys did for the program. And I, I, I'm interested in what they're doing in their lives. So I just 
try to make an effort to stay in touch with them uh, uh, in a variety of different ways. So, uh, I mean, that's really kind of what we do. I'm sure they, they do things outside of me, but I don't, I'm, I guess I, I can't, maybe I'm probably not doing a good enough job. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. I mean, that's, that's such a big deal is staying in touch with your alumni. You know, even if you haven't been there 20 years, figuring out where your alumni are and communicating with them and, and making them feel like they've still got a part of that program. Because I mean, look, whether, whether you've won three out of the last four national championships or you're starting to get into that 10 to 20 year range of your program, um, the the foundation of that program has been built on those people who bled and cried and sweated on that football field and that's something to be proud of yeah we've had we've had some great young men play here and and you're exactly right uh staying in touch with them is vital so coach i'm looking forward to another great season in the g pack it's going to be another set of barn burners as always uh, you know, starting off really fast with with y'all and Northwestern, and it's just going to be it's going to be a whale of a season. It's going to be good to have a normal season again, I think. But it will be good to have football. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing we say that a normal season. Before 2020, they were all normal seasons. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it'll be good. It should be fast. I mean, they're. They're very talented. They've got a lot of really good players coming back, so it's it'll be uh, it'll be something of a game. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the NAIF Ball Podcast presented by AdCraft USA. Be sure to contact them for all your custom apparel, merch, and uniform needs. Thanks also to Mommy Bay Turf and Turf Nation, as well as Leading Edge Fundraising for their support of the podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to the podcast as well as to our YouTube channel. Leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. As always, if you'd like to support what we do, head over to patreon.com slash N-A-I-A-F-B-A-L-L and become a patron. We can't do what we do without our sponsors and listeners like you.